God bless you. Take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Matthew, chapter 24, if you would, as we continue uh, our series on the second coming of Christ and our growing faith. We're looking at a growing faith. Matthew, chapter uh, 24. We'll begin in verse uh, 32. Matthew, chapter 24, verse 32. The Bible reads this way. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days, of, uh, uh, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be left in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is faithful and wise servant? whom his Lord hath made ruler over his house, hold to give them meat in his due season. Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in, my heart, in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask that you would help us in this message to pursue you, pursue the truths that you've laid out, and help us to be conformed more to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ today than we were yesterday. And Father, I ask that you would uh, clear my mind of any distractions whatsoever, and I pray that I would only say those things that you would have me to say. Lord, I, I thank you for the service up to this point. I thank you for these dear and precious people. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we look into your word to be able to, um, to, be able to see these principles, to apply them to our lives in order that we would be pursuing after you and becoming more like your dear son. Lord, I do pray for our Easter Sunday coming up. I pray that people would be busy about inviting folks out and handing out their invites this, this week and, and being engaged in that way. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, when you talk about the return of Christ, there are many things that, 
that people will uh, bring up and that they will uh, that they will talk about. And there's, as I mentioned before, there are many opinions on uh, the return of Christ. But when you look at this passage of Scripture, there would be some that would try and interpret this passage of Scripture that, hey, well, it's, yes, it's talking about the second coming in one part, but then it's talking about the rapture of the church in another part, and then it's ending up with the second coming. That's, that, that is totally illogical. That's not what this chapter is talking about. It's talking totally about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's something that we all ought to be anticipating. And, and through this, we need to be able to, to be able to take this prophecy that is being uh, relayed to us from the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to be able to apply it to our daily lives. And I believe one of the best ways that we can do that is looking at our faith. See, all of us have faith in something or someone. Sometimes people will trust in a government. Sometimes people will trust in money. Sometimes people will trust in friends. Some, and what is that? That is having faith in something or someone. And so all of us have faith. But the difference between us and the rest of the world is what our faith is to be resting on. Our faith is to rest on one person alone, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing else in this world that can be our Savior outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if our faith is resting on the Lord Jesus Christ, we should have a growing faith. Let me ask you a question. Is your faith growing? Is your faith growing? If so, in what areas? Every single one of us have faith that is strong in certain areas and then weak in other areas. But just because your faith is strong in one area does not mean that you can just rest on your laurels and think that you're okay. See, our faith is to be growing on a daily basis. We are to be growing in the things of the Lord on a daily basis. It's not something that, that well, um, yeah, I'm good, I, I'm saved, and I've got a decent faith, I, I, I'm pretty strong, I don't get offended at too much. Now see, our faith is to be something that is growing on a daily basis. And what I, I find is that many times a people without a growing faith, their faith rests upon when instead of whom and a growing faith always rests upon whom and not when. Because listen, friend, the when may never come this side of heaven. Amen. The when may never come this side of heaven. And if the when doesn't come this side of heaven, and you're resting upon when, you're never going to have a growing faith. As a matter of fact, God's going to disappoint you a great deal. I remember, and I've mentioned the, this before, but I remember the three Hebrew children that went into the fiery furnace. When they faced what we would consider the president of that day, the, the highest ruler, the king of that country, Nebuchadnezzar, when they faced Nebuchadnezzar, they knew that they were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. They knew that they were going to be, they knew that their lives were in jeopardy. 
they looked at the most powerful man in their life at that time and they said to that, that man, that king, they said, we will not bow down to this image that you have made. We're not going to do that. And they said, our God will deliver us. But if not... Even if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not bowing down because our faith is not resting upon when we can get out of this. Our faith is resting upon the whom of who's going through this with us. And that's the difference. That's a growing faith. Listen, your faith is never going to grow in the ease Faith always grows in the crucible. Faith always grows in the wine press, being pressed down. Faith always grows when we're stretched. Those of you who have worked out before, I used to love to work out. I hate it now. I hate it. But when you work out, what? What do you do? You put yourself underneath a certain amount of stress to break down your muscles in order that your muscles can be built up again so you can become even stronger, right? You don't just go to the gym and walk around and say, hey, how you doing? Hey, you're looking good right there. Way to go. All right. You walk around for half an hour, 45 minutes, say, and I did my work. I'm, I'm good now. Look at me. You say, that's nuts. You haven't done anything to increase your stamina. You haven't done anything to increase your strength. You haven't done anything to increase your cardiovascular. You haven't done anything. You just walked around and you think now that you are you're, uh, Mr. Olympia? You think now that you're some, some uh, beauty queen now? What, what, are you kidding me? Because you walked around in a gym? Why do you think that you're a strong Christian just because you show up to church? See, just because you show up to church and and everything seems good on the outside that we think, well, (laughs) I must be a pretty good Christian. That doesn't make any sense. If we are going to have a growing faith, we can't rest in the when. We must rest upon the whom. And a growing faith has three aspects. I shared with you last week that a growing faith uh, is a faith that expects. A growing faith is a faith that expects. But secondly, today, I want you to take a look. A growing faith is a faith that is engaged. A growing faith is a faith that is engaged. Not only is a growing faith a faith that it expects, but a growing faith is a faith that is engaged. And we see this in verses 37 through uh, 41. Jesus now, you know what Jesus is doing right now? He's using some examples of his uh, return. In verses 37 and 38, he uses the example of Noah and the flood. You can turn to Genesis chapter 6 and see this uh, about what's going on there. Maybe in a few minutes we'll take a look at that. But he uses first the example of Noah and the flood. In verse 33, he uses the example of the thief. And then verses 45 through 46, he uses the example of his master's return. So what's Jesus doing using these examples, using these illustrations? The point is that Jesus is, is making that his return is going to be sudden 
and that believers are to be ready for the return of Christ at all times. And Jesus gives these examples to reveal those who were not ready at all times. And here's a couple characteristics that reveal that they were not ready. They did not have a faith that was engaged. See, a fa- I, could, I could have stated these positively, but, but it's, it's kind of negative here in the, it's stated negatively here in the scripture, so that's the way I'm going to use it. But we could turn this around very easily and state it in the positive. But a faith that is engaged is not unconcerned. See, a growing faith is a faith that's engaged, and a faith that's engaged is not unconcerned. Let me ask you, are you going to be engaged this week? What do you mean? We've just told you something to be engaged in. Or are you just going to be unconcerned about the souls of others? I I wonder what people think of me. I I wonder what they're going to think of you if they die and go to hell. Folks, we can't say that we love people, that we truly love people, if we're not willing to just invite them to church. We can't say that we, we, we really believe the truth if we're unengaged and not willing to be able to share the gospel with them. Oh, my friends, we, we need to have a, a faith that is engaged, and a faith that is engaged is not unconcerned. These people in in verses uh, 37 and 38, take a look if you will, please, verses 37 and 38. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving a marriage until the day of Noah entered into the ark. Turn over to Genesis chapter 6, if you would, please. Genesis chapter 6. This is the days of Noah. This is what was happening in the days of Noah. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be, uh, shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which are of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowl of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. These people were unconcerned. They were living their lives. They were going about their own way of life. Had no regard for God whatsoever. They could observe Noah building the ark. The Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, that he preached for 120 years as he built the ark. He probably, I can't, I I don't know what Noah said, but he probably said to those people, hey, guess what? Rain's coming, a flood's coming. They probably said, Noah, what's rain? Noah might have said, I don't know since we've never had it, but God told me it's coming, you better watch out. 
And he preached for 120 years. These people saw Noah building the ark, but they continued to ignore him. They were unconcerned. They continued to live as if nothing was going to happen. It says that they were eating They were drinking. They were marrying. The idea is total lack of self-control. It was a party time. It was always about their comfort and their enjoyment. It was a total hedonistic society. It was all about pleasure. There was looseness in marriage. Though Noah was a preacher of righteousness, I want to ask you a question. What do you think kept them from listening to his message. They were eating. Think about that before you make your call. They were eating. They were drinking. They were given a marriage. So the man of God was standing up, if you will, at the pulpit of God and proclaiming the truth of God, saying, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. But what kept them from listening to the man of God? What kept them from listening to his righteous word? Here you go. The common interests of life. The common interests of life. See, their faith was not an engaged faith. They were unconcerned. And you know what? Listen to me, church. You know what Satan has done to us? He wants us to get so busy with the common interest of life that we become unconcerned Christians. They left safety and security for self-gratification. See, if you and I can get so caught up with the common interest of life, guess what? We forget about the next life. And the world out there, that's what Satan has done. They've gotten so caught up with the common things of life that when you talk about the afterlife, when you talk about that, most people say, I really don't want to think about that. That's a really uncomfortable subject. I, I, I don't want to talk about that. They give no thought for eternity. Why? Because they're caught up with the common interests of life. And let me tell you something, church. It doesn't just happen to those outside of these walls. It happens to us inside of these walls when we have an unengaged faith because we're unconcerned about the lost. See, it's dangerous for us to get caught up in the pursuits of life. It's dangerous for us to get caught up in the pursuits of life and forget that Jesus is coming back. These people were unconcerned, but let her be. A faith that is engaged is not unprepared. See, a growing faith is going to be an expectant faith. A growing faith is going to be an engaged faith. And if you have an engaged faith, you're going to be concerned. And if you have an engaged faith, you're going to be prepared. But a faith that is not engaged is unconcerned. And a faith that is not engaged is unprepared. See, the reason that I know that these people were unconcerned is because they were unprepared. See, when you prepare for something, uh, there's a a group of us that are getting ready to go to Israel this afternoon. We're going to fly to Israel and just, just pray for us, if you will, when we fly to Israel, that our arms won't get tired. All right, just making sure you're still with me, all right? <laughs> that's a preacher joke. That's a dad joke, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. 
we're getting ready to go to Israel. I can guarantee you, everybody's prepared to go. They, they've gotten everything packed. I mean, they, they've got, they make sure they've got their passport. You got your passport, right? <laughs> <laughs> making sure they got all their, their clothes and their shoes. And uh, for the ladies, they've got their 82 luggage bags and, and making sure they got their makeup and all that kind of stuff. You know, they, they're prepared to go. You know, that lets me know that they're concerned about the trip. Why? Because they're prepared. When you are unprepared for something, you're really not concerned about it. And these people, a faith that is not, it, it, the faith that is engaged is not unprepared. Noah warned them, but they did not heed the warning. And Jesus gives an, a, an example here in verses 39 through 41. He says, And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. When, sha when then shall two be left in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Jesus is giving us an example of those who were unprepared and taken in judgment. These were people going about their daily lives. They were more consumed with daily living than eternal living. Now, this is where some people get confused and they say, oh, see, this is talking about the rapture of the church. No, it's not. What's the context here? The context, he's talking about Noah and the flood, right? Those who were safe were put into the ark. Those who were taken away were those who were not in the ark. And what Jesus is teaching is, he's not ta ta talking about the rapture, he's talking about his second coming. Those who were taken away were taken away in judgment, just like those during the flood. They were taken away, they were, they were, they were killed in judgment. And a faith that is, is, not, is engaged is not unprepared. Also, there's a biblical um, support for this as, as well. In verse 39, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. In that portion of Scripture, it means taken in judgment. There are going to be some who are going to be taken away in judgment. And there will be others that will go into the kingdom. A faith that is growing is an engaged faith. Let me ask you something. Is your faith growing? In what areas? In what areas? You know, it's, it's interesting. Some of you businessmen here, what do you want? You don't, want, you, you don't want your business to just stay stagnant every day, do you? How many of you businessmen or businesswomen in here, you want your business just to stay stagnant? Because you know if it stays stagnant, what's going to happen? It's actually going to start to go backwards because you're not keeping up. What do you want for your business to do? You want your business to what? To grow. And if it can grow daily, that's a good thing. Why? Because that means that's more money in your back pocket. Moms and dads, what do you want with your kids? You don't want them to just stay stagnant, do you? You don't want them to just stay stagnant in their knowledge. You don't want them to stay stagnant in their, in their growth. You don't want them to stay stagnant in, in their interactions with people and their social gatherings. 
You want them to grow as a human being. All our life is surrounded with things that we want to grow. Why? Because we know that, that that betters us and it benefits us. Let me ask you a question. Then why do we put so much focus on the earthly things, but we allow our faith to just stay stagnant? See, a faith that is growing is a faith that expects. A faith that is growing is a faith that is engaged. And then lastly this morning, a faith that is growing is a faith that experiences. You have a faith that experiences. In verses 42 through 51, we see this. It's one thing to know something. It's a whole other thing to experience it. When you experience something, it changes you. There's a lot of people that can talk about a lot of things, but they've never experienced it. And once they experience it, many times their opinion changes. See, a growing faith is a faith that experiences. In this section of Scripture, we're taught some things that a growing faith experiences. I want you to take a look at these very quickly. Verses 42 and 43. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord, your, uh, what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. A faith that experiences, say, what does that look like? What does that mean for me? If I'm going to have a growing faith, I want to have a growing faith, but what does that look like for me to, to, to be experiencing something? A faith that is experienced is watching. Is watching. This is the admonition for us all. What does that mean? To be spiritually alert. To be spiritually alert. Listen, church, I think that we have forgotten that we are in a war. We are in a spiritual war. The world is not for us. Satan is not for us. Hollywood is not for us. It's not for us. It is against us. I don't think necessarily maybe there might be some that there are actually those people out there that are against us. There are some that are. But the simple fact of the matter is, it's the world's system. It's the world's philosophy. It's the way that they look at things and the way that they, they, they evaluate things and the way that they base uh, what they believe is true. I am so tired of hearing people say, well, that's your truth and this is my truth. No, there is just truth. That's it. There is a such thing as absolute truth. Well, my truth says that gravity is really not real. Then you stand on the top of this building and jump off, and you find out if that's not absolute truth. And then you have people say, well, there's no such thing as absolute truth. You just made an absolute statement. doesn't make sense. It's illogical. That if there's no absolute truth, then why do you have a right to, to, to feel inside of you that morally it's wrong to murder somebody. Where do you think that came from?
What if I came up to you and said, I don't think it's morally wrong to murder somebody. That's my truth. And especially if I'm facing you with a Magnum 45. Say, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's wrong. And you do. Now, whose truth is right? That's my truth. I don't feel that it's wrong. It's okay. But you say, wait a second, my truth says it's not okay. Where do you think that came from? There is absolute truth, and we need to be watchful, friends. We need to make, make sure that we are having a, a, a faith that is experiencing and being spiritually alert. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 6, let us, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, not your friend, not your buddy, but your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. I don't know about you, but if I had a roaring lion walking around me, I wouldn't be close to that lion. I'd be running as far as I can away from that lion. I wouldn't be, hey, kitty, 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 come here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Oh, well, let me just touch him. What do we want to do? We want to get as close to sin as possible, right? Oh, let me just touch him. Let me just... We need to be watchful. The faith is experiencing, is waiting. Verse 44, take a look there. Therefore be also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Waiting is not the idea of just doing nothing. Waiting is a, is a readiness for Christ to come back. He says, be also ready. We're waiting. It, it, there's an anticipation. There's a lot of things that we anticipate in life, isn't there? Do you have an anticipation for the Lord to come back? You know, if we have a faith that experiences and we have an anticipation, we're waiting for the Lord to come back, guess what? That will change your interaction with people. Could you imagine if the Lord came back and you and your wife were fighting like cats and dogs? He just showed up right there. I mean, you were just going at it. I mean, just ripping each other apart. You know, pressing all those buttons that you know how to press and she knows how to press and everybody's pressing everybody else's buttons and you're red in the face, she's red in the face, uh, voices are getting a little bit loud and, and, and things are going and, and you just always, you're always, you're never, you're always and never, and never and always and all the time and never, never and always, always and never. And Jesus show up, hi folks, how you doing? Oh my. I think for some of you, Jesus is going to put your mansion right beside your mate when you get in heaven just to, just to be able to irritate you for all of eternity. <laughs> but seriously, if we're, if we're waiting for Jesus to come back, it's going to change our interactions with each other, isn't it? I mean, if we're really anticipating... I mean, because when you anticipate, I, I don't know about you, but me and my wife, when we anticipate somebody coming over the house, we've got everything just so, and we've got everything right. We make sure that we're right so that that way nobody can detect anything, you know what I'm saying? Uh, oh, there's a little bit of tension in the Rodell household. No, uh, hey, honey, how you doing, lovey? And all this kind of stuff and everything. Oh, yeah, we want to make sure that's all, right? 
Because you're anticipating. You don't know when they're going to walk through the door. You might, shh, shh, I think someone's coming. Shh, right? What does it do? It changes the way that you interact with one another. Hmm. I think if you know that somebody's coming with anticipation, it changes what you do for others. What do you do when you know somebody's coming to the house? You usually get the house ready. You, you prepare it. You make it look at least halfway decent. <coughs> Let me ask you, how are you helping those around you get prepared? See, a faith that is growing is a faith that experiences. It's watching. It's, it's waiting. It has this anticipation. And when we anticipate that somebody's going to come, we want to make sure everything's prepared. Well, guess what, friends? Jesus is coming back. How many of you are going about making sure your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors are prepared? See, it'd be great, man, Pastor. This would be a whole lot better message if you just didn't, if you just preached this as prophecy and, and didn't get and start to get in with our personal lives and stuff like that because it's getting a little bit uncomfortable when you start talking about soul winning and about inviting people out to church and stuff like that. But nothing wrong with preaching prophecy. Man, if that prophecy doesn't relate to today, how's it going to change us? How's it going to help us? See, a faith that is experiences, it's watching, it's waiting, then let her see here. Take a look. It's willing. It's willing. Verses 45 through 47, it says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant? What was he doing? He was doing what the master asked him to do. He was doing the little things that the master asked him to do. He was faithful in the task that he's been given. Listen, the Bible tells us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be reaching out. Let me encourage you. Uh, Friends, make sure you grab those invites today and hand them out to folks. You say, I've done that before and it hasn't done anything. You don't know what God's going to do with that. You don't know that your simple invite, man, man, pastor, I've been doing this for years, inviting folks. Every single time, I've, they've never shown up. Well, just keep doing it. See, it's willing to do what God has asked us to do. As believers, we're to be about the Lord's work. See, for this faithful servant, it wasn't about when. It was about whom. He knew his master was coming back, and his master had entrusted him with something, and he was faithful to fulfill it. And a faith that experiences letter D is a faith that heeds warning. That heeds warning. The unfaithful steward here we see didn't heed the warning. In verses 48 through 51, he didn't heed the warning. And it's evident by his heart, by how he said, oh, the master's delaying is coming. Don't, Don't worry about it. And the way that he treated others. See, a faithful, a faith that is growing will heed the warning. Well, understand that there is a duty to perform. A faith that is 
is growing, is one that is going to focus on the when, uh, not on the when, but on the whom. A faith that is growing will understand that there is a severe judgment for those who don't heed the warning. So let me ask you something. Do you have a growing faith? Is our faith growing? See, we want the type of Jesus that fixes everything for us. That's why we're so concerned about the when. We want the fixer-up Jesus. Just fix this relationship, fix my finances, fix my marriage, fix my kids, fix this, fix our government, fix our country, fix this and fix that and fix this and everything just so that we can live comfortably. And a faith that is growing does not rest upon that type of Jesus, does not rest upon the when, it rests upon the whom. So no matter if it gets fixed or if it doesn't get fixed, I'm still walking with the God of all creation. I've got a peace that passes all understanding. So is your faith growing? You have a faith that expects. You have a faith that engages. And do you have a faith that experiences? Let me ask you something. What's your faith resting on? My faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Is that where we can say that our faith is resting? Are we looking more at the when than the whom?